Welcome to the Axe Church Leander podcast. Join us in person or online on Facebook at 9.30 a.m. Our reading is from Matthew 6, starting at verses ni- verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for, he, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I'm going to invite you guys to pray with me as we dive into our message today. Heavenly Father, you're good. Heavenly Father, you have a plan. Lord, and we've been reflecting on that plan, using your words to shape how we forgive, how we serve, how we go, and how we give. Lord, I pray that in this time uh, we are emboldened, we are hopeful, but we're also able to to look at ourselves honestly in the mirror uh, when we look at our finances. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So we are in week five of the Red Letter Challenge where we've been using the words of Jesus to shape and mold our following of Jesus. It makes sense. There's a great devotional book that we've been going, and each day has challenges and opportunities. Uh, Last week, AJ was poking a little bit of fun at me, and rightfully so, that we had to swap out the weeks of the themes. But the reason why we had to do that was because as we were putting this sermon series together and as we were asking different preachers to come in and give the message, I let people know if any of you guys want to do the giving message, have at you, it's all yours, I will totally be okay with that. And for some reason, no one took me up on that. Because I apparently am not the only one who gets a little bit uncomfortable having to preach on money. And the reason, or reasons, why I have as much hesitation comes from a variety of places. One, the church as a whole has a long history of abusing the topic of money to literally take from people to have power or to be greedy. And and I realize that, and we we still have that in modern-day America. We have that throughout all of the church's history. Us 
taking something good that God gives us and manipulating it for individual gain. And so that's part of the reason why I don't like to talk about it, just because I know there's a lot of baggage that a lot of us have from other churches or other quote-unquote Christian leaders who have abused it. But the other reason why I don't like to talk about money is because when we look at America, our whole country has an unhealthy relationship with money. Across the board, none of us are good at it. None of us have it right, which makes sense because not only throughout all of Scripture is that just a humanity problem, but we as Americans live in one of the wealthiest nations that has ever existed throughout all time in history. We have more access to things like smartphones and the internet and everything running water, grocery stores, for any type of produce we want. We want an avocado, we can get an avocado. We want a dragon fruit, we can get a dragon fruit. America is the wealthiest nation, and we grew up in that. We grew up having everything at our fingertips. And in doing that, it just distorts, because that's all sin does. It just gets in and distorts what is good, what's around you. And so since we have so much around us, it makes sense that it would be distorted. But the good news is that we have a God who comes in and says it's not going to be about Pastor Josh's best thinking, but instead I I have a word for you, God says. I I have a message for you. I have a way to actually handle money that honors him, that honors yourself, that honors the world around us, And, and that's what we're going to dive into today through this gospel reading, through the Sermon on the Mount And all of this, this entire message, this entire chunk is going to be about how we look at our finances. Now, there's going to be other tangential things when it's talking about anxiety or worrying, and that can be applied generally, but it's being applied specifically, in this case, to our finances. So let's unpack what Jesus has to say. He starts off, So do not store up for uh, yourselves treasures here on earth where moths can eat and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store up your treasures in heaven where moths and thieves cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. So it starts off using ancient language for investing, right? So before the stock market, before 401ks and all these other kind of things, if you wanted to save money, if you wanted to invest in your future, if you wanted to put money away in your future, you would literally have a treasure box, a box where you would keep your resources, where you would keep your money, where you would keep your jewelry. And the more you accumulated, maybe you'd have to get a bigger box or a bigger storehouse, But that was literally how you would save for the future. And so Jesus starts off talking using the language of the times to say, hey, when you think about your literal treasures, the stuff that goes in a treasure box, the stuff here on earth, a thief can break it and destroy. Or you have really nice clothes, well, a moth can come in and eat that cotton, can eat that fiber. And he compares and contrasts that to saying, but y'all, when we invest, when we store our worldly gains in the heavenly things that God is doing, and not just in the eternal, but here on earth, as Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that, that pays into eternity. 
And nothing can ever take that away from us. That's how he sets up this conversation. He's talking about where do we store, how do we use, what do we do with the financial wealth that he gives us. goes on. Is for wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will also be. Okay, this is deep. Because our treasures and where we invest our treasures show us what we value. There is a saying among pastors that the last thing to convert is a person's wallet. And the reason why we say that is we like to compartmentalize our faith, and Jesus is going to talk about how we can't do that in just a little bit. But the reality is where we put our finances shows us what we care about. Right? So if I put my finances in traveling, and Erica and I just got back from Mexico, we like to travel. It's something that we prioritize as a couple. And that's a good thing, having goals as a couple to say, hey, we want to go on these trips, or we want to buy a house, or we want to get a new car. All of us do these things every day. That's part of who it is. But when we completely separate that from our faith, or we put them on different levels, I've heard it as tithing or tipping sacrificing, or, or giving the leftovers. Right? It shows us where our heart is at. And so Jesus says, where your treasure is, it's going to show you where your heart is at. He then goes on. He says, and your eye is a lamp that provides light to your whole body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be filled with darkness and if the light to you, you think, is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? Again, remember how I told you, this entire section of Scripture is all about our finances. So yes, it talks about what we look at influences who we are, but Jesus specifically in this section of Scripture, and again, you're going to see this weaving in and out, in and out, is talking about how we use money or where we look at money about our financial situations. Where do we spend our time thinking? And this is hard. This is complicated. This is something that I struggle with. Right? When my savings account drops below a certain point, right? we've got to spend money on X, Y, or Z that may have been unexpected, I start to get anxious. I start to get more concerned with, with where that number is at and how do we get that number back to where it needs to be. And, and when I do that... And not that having a savings account is bad, by the way. But when I do it out of anxiety, when I do it out of fear, I, I'm not seeing my finances through gospel eyes, through what we're going to see at the end of the scripture, is that there is a good father who is looking out for me, and he's way better at finances than I, I am. He's way better at making sure we have daily bread than any of us are. Right? That allows darkness into my heart. It allows darkness into my eyes. It allows darkness into my finances. And God wants something better for us. He wants something better for you. He goes on. He says, you see, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and you will love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot uh, serve God and be enslaved to money. This is heavy stuff right here. Right? This is kind of the, the, the prime nut of what Jesus is talking about. 
I want to read that again. You cannot serve two masters. You will hate one and you will love the other. You'll be devoted to one. You will be and despise the other. We can't separate how we look at God and how we look at money. We can't compartmentalize how we look at God and how we look at money. And the reason is because for all of us in different times and places, money becomes our God. See, the definition of a God is someone that you turn to that has authority and power to change things. In America, we firmly believe that money has authority and power to change things. And I'm not naive. I understand that money is a tool, right? Money can buy you a house. Money can buy you a certain amount of immediate satisfaction, right? It's a tool. Same thing like if you have a hoe and you use it, you can garden and, and you can create fruit, right? Tools aren't bad. But when we go to the tool for our ultimate security, the thing that's going to protect us, the thing that is going to allow us to get what we really deeply desire, that's going to fulfill us, that's where it all falls apart. And that's why Jesus says, y'all, you cannot serve God and money at the same time. You can serve God and he will show you how to use your money or, as so is often the case in all of our lives, money becomes our ultimate God and it uh, changes how we see our Heavenly Father. It changes what we're willing to do with our finances and our resources. And the trouble with that is, is money isn't a real God. It doesn't care about you. It doesn't care about me. It's not looking out for my best interests because it doesn't have interests. It's like having a wooden idol of a God that we trust in and, and we believe in and we think this can protect me, but in the grand scheme of things, it can't. It's not going to be able to fulfill me. And, and it's not going to be able to give me or you or your family purpose or ultimate security. And Jesus continues on. He says, this is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or, or clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and in your body more than clothing? He says something that all of us know is true, but we forget so often. Life is more right, than the threads that we wear, than how much is in our bank account. In fact, most of us, even with all of our American, you know, baggage that comes with wealth, understand, well, yeah, the, the, the number that you have, the amount of money you have, really isn't the thing, right? It's what the thing gets you. But what Jesus is saying to us is like, y'all, your everyday life is way more complicated than the simple things that money in and of itself can provide for you. And so he says, don't don't worry about it. Don't don't focus on it. Don't let that light or that darkness in. Don't spend so much time here that that you miss what God is doing. And that's, that's what he goes on to next. He continues on. Sorry. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store up food in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you more valuable to him than they are? This is a great response. This is a neat trick that God gives his people. 
that God gives his kids, that God gives me, when our anxiety starts to rise, when we're looking around and we're thinking, I don't have enough of this. He says, look at animals. For me, it's looking at our two pets, Anara and Mal, the little fur terrorists that run around our house. They don't spend all day terrified that we're not going to feed them. Terrified that the house is going to fall down on top of them. No, dogs or birds or cats, animals, they live in the moment. And God provides for them. And then Jesus says, aren't you more valuable to God than these animals? And so literally using either the animals in our own life or the bird that you see out a window and to take a few deep breaths and to remember the promises of Jesus, that he promises daily bread. That literally is our family prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. And I know sometimes all of us, myself included, want more than daily bread. Right? I'd rather have like my full yearly bread plotted out week by week in a budget in an Excel spreadsheet. All of us would love that, but, but it ultimately wouldn't fulfill us. It ultimately wouldn't sustain us. And so instead, that promise and living in that truth that God will provide does something beautiful for how we look at our finances. He goes on. Can all your worries add even a single moment to your life? And, and I love that, right? Because it's, it's the ultimate nail in the coffin in the argument that, that money will save you, that, that us worrying about it specifically will somehow save us. We don't know how long we're here. Right? We don't know when the bus is going to hit us, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's 80 years from now. Money is an inanimate object, and it's a tool. And it's a tool that can be useful for God providing daily bread, for him caring for us, for us going to the doctors or getting medicine that we need. I, I understand all that. But the power isn't in the tool. The power isn't in the gift. The power is in the giver. And what Jesus is saying throughout all of this section of Scripture is that the giver is fighting for us and that we can trust him and that he is a good God who wants good for his children. Jesus goes on. He says, and why worry about your clothing? And again, similar to the birds. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as all of these. Solomon at that time had been the richest person who had ever lived. You look at how much cash he had in the Old Testament, how much livestock, how many palaces. This guy had it all. And Jesus says, y'all, the, the, the friggin' flowers, they're better dressed than Solomon. And if God cares for the wildflowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, he will carefully care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat or drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. See, following Jesus, living as a disciple, living in the truth that he gives us, it allows us off of the crazy miracle round that the rest of the world's on that dominate the thoughts of those who don't know the giver, so they have to trust in the gifts. And the gifts are fickle. 
and the gifts can't protect them. But we as Christians know we have the promise that we have a heavenly Father who knows what we need, who wants good for us in the same way, in fact, a deeper way than I want good for my little fur babies, in a deeper way than even you as parents want for your kids. That, 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 think about that. God cares more about providing for your kids than even you do. Jesus it allows us, when we live in that truth, when we live in that faith, when we're able to breathe and just look at how he provides for everything else, how he's provided for us to get us here today, to know that he's not done. He's a good God, and he's fighting for us, and Jesus offers us a way off that crazy merry-go-round the rest of the world's on. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. And again, y'all, this is good news. God already knows what we need. Even before your AC breaks, God knows what you need. Even before you got into that car accident or, or you lost your job or, or you're not sure how your kids are going to go to college or, or whatever else, God already knows and he is a good father. He is a heavenly father and he loves you and he loves your kids and he wants to provide for you. And so we get to live in that truth. And then that truth shapes what we do with the gifts that he's provided for us. So seek first the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. You have enough trouble for today. And again, this is both a, a good word for those of us like myself who struggle with anxiety just in general, but, but we're still talking about money here. This has all been one giant conversation about our financial situation. So Jesus ends by saying, so seek first, invest first in the kingdom. In, in what he's doing, use the gifts, yes, to provide for yourselves and for daily bread, but, but also to think outside of yourself to think through and to see through the kingdom of heaven's eyes in how we do life together. That, that's what God is after when we talk about giving. That, that's what he's trying to get us to seek. That God wants us to invest our resources, our finances, in both our own family household, in our community, and in and through the local church. Right, those, those three areas, those three buckets, and they're different size buckets that each of us go to God, our Father, and we try to work through, and our family, and say, okay, how do we want to do this? But we should be doing all of those. And again, this is a weird topic for the church because the church has abused this a ton. But throughout Scripture, both the Old and the New Testament, Bible is clear that God does not just call us to care for ourselves, but also our community and our church. And we have been so blessed by the, the faithfulness of the families who call this their church home, that have invested. But it's not a static thing. God is calling us to continue to grow in that investment. So I don't know where you're at specifically. There are a lot of folks who have given a long, long time into you. I say thank you. Go Team Jesus. Continue to pray and work with your Father as we get more gifts, what that looks like to give back, not just to this local congregation, but also to our community and to our families and our neighbors. 
And to those of you who are still kind of kicking the tires or are still kind of wrestling with that compartmentalization of their faith, I hear you. I have wrestled a good chunk of my own Christian faith of what do I do? How much do I give? Why should I give? Are they going to be good stewards of my money if I give? And to you, my challenge, my encouragement, and I mean this deeply, I want you to go to a church that you believe in investing in, where you're like, yes, I see what the kingdom of God is doing here, and I want to be all in and participating in that with my time, with my talents, and with my actual treasures. And if you're looking like, Josh, I I, I just can't do it here, then I want to work with you to find a local congregation, a local body of Christ, where you're like, yes, here, I get it, I'm all in. That is a Team Jesus win. But, but I want to challenge you to give and to ask what that means, and then to lean in, in trusting to knowing that your Heavenly Father is going to provide for you that daily bread, and the deeper levels of joy and peace that come in following him. Would you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, this is a complicated topic. It's a hard topic, but it's a topic that we know that you are faithful in. Lord, I pray that you speak to us. I pray that you continue to shape us. Lord, continue to embolden us as we give back and invest in what you have given to us, back into our families, into our communities, into our church. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about our church at actschurchleander.com.